Alright, welcome back to Everyday Ecclesiology. Uh, I'm Daniel Greenhall. And I'm his wife, Desiree Greenhall. And our goal in this podcast is to explore what it looks like for laymen within the local church to be faithful members of one another. Alright, in this segment, in this segment, in this podcast, we have four segments. Who we are, we already did that. What we're doing, what we're learning, and what we're reading. So we'll start off with what we're doing this week. We've been doing a couple of different things. We're still pursuing a house. Mm-hmm. We've been packing stuff up. We did books yesterday. Yep. It was a lot of fun to try and stuff things in, get as much as we can in the boxes. Yeah. Got to buy some new containers. I like buying new things. Yes, you do. That was kind of motivation to, to get packing. I bought some cheap containers that'll work a little double well as like a long-term storage containers in the new house, I think. Yep. Might have to see how things hold up. Yeah. Um, we got some inspections on the house. We're still, everything's coming back um, non-problematic so far. Uh, I don't know how to say that other than non-problematic good. Everything's coming back good, well. <laughs> yeah. Whichever one of those words fits. Somebody will tell me. Um, we were able to drop a care package to some church family who was quarantined. They'll be quarantined for a little while. Um, so it was nice to have some way of trying to encourage them. Yeah. It was kind of fun to communicate with one of them. Hey, what should we get your family? What kind of stuff do they like? felt like a covert up it was fun putting it together too yeah you did well i think so i'm the type that just like oh yeah i'll buy you things and drop them off in bags at your doorstep but desert's like well let's take them a box and let's like wrap it in wrapping paper and make it look nice with fluffies and things yeah. and i was like oh yeah that works a lot better <laughs> so that was really nice hopefully it was encouraging uh sophia had a tooth pop in today yeah we didn't find out until daniel's like desiree what happened to the remote and she had been like sucking on the remote i'm like i don't know and we look on there and there's like a perfectly like half circle of scratch marks i'm like what is this i'm like oh wait does sophia have a tooth in and we open her open her mouth and right there's a tooth popping out yep so she's i gotta let her not suck on my finger anymore otherwise i might come back with uh, a little less blood than I had before. <laughs> uh, we're also still working away in Duolingo. And if you listened last week, you know, I was in competition with Helen. Yep. And I did beat Helen. I did not win my league. I got the second. But first place was, like, way far ahead of me. I was That's like, okay. I don't need to devote that much time to this. But we're still learning. Mm-hmm. We're still getting there in Spanish. Maybe we can start a Spanish podcast when we're done with this one. Ooh, fun. Probably not. I don't <laughs> think I'm ever going to be that fluent. But it's been fun. I'm sure there's other stuff, but... Uh, this episode will probably be a little shorter. I say that every time, and then it ends up being 45 minutes. Yes. But this is a book review, and I don't have to go super long, so I'll try to keep it brief so that uh, it's enough to cover what goes on in the book. And this book is only... Oh, dear. How many pages is this? It's a tiny book. Conclusion. It's like the size of a man's hand. It's 123 pages, but not really, because page one is on page 22, so it's really like 100 pages. It's pretty tiny, and they're small. Like if I... Yeah, the size of a man's hand. Yeah, actually, and I have small hands too. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty teeny. Uh, yeah, it's basically the size of a size. phone nowadays. Well, you just, I mean, if you hold an iPad to your face. It's smaller than a Kindle. That's true. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty teeny. I don't know why we're going into a lot of detail I about don't know the size either. of the book. <laughs> well, that's partially to explain why this might not be as long if I get on with it and get moving. Yeah. So I'm today going to be reviewing, uh, maybe that's kind of a strong word, I'm going to be giving a brief overview uh, and maybe a little bit of a, um, a primer for, 
sure. a plug for. I want to whet your appetite to read the book, uh, What is a Healthy Church by Mark Dever. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again just in case somebody is jumping in just on this podcast episode that um, I might recommend this book and there are things I like about this book, but I don't agree with everything completely 100% in the book. So I do appreciate it. Um, and I do think that there's a lot that Mark Dever does get right, but uh, just like any other book, there's not 100% that I agree with. It's good enough that I would recommend it, but not so good that I'm like, yep, read it, believe it 100%. That's not what I'm saying. So what is the point of this book? Well, as the name suggests, Mark Dever wants to chat about what is a healthy church. So Desiree, Mm -hmm. if I were to ask you what is a healthy church, how might you answer that question? There's nothing in the notes for this, so you can't cheat. A church that is growing spiritually? That might be a good answer, yeah. Um, That's what the title gets at. But Mark Dever, instead of just... I mean, he could have just put out uh, a a paragraph and said, what is a healthy church? A healthy church is this, this, this. But he didn't. He wrote a book on it. Um, So it's more than just a book-long definition. Somebody needs to silence their phone. That was you. That would be me. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Much better. He could have just put out a paragraph. He could have made a book-long definition. He didn't do that, but he took a lot of time to explain things that we need to keep in mind when we're thinking about the question of a healthy church. So he breaks the book down into three parts, but actually five. Uh, In the table of contents here, he has a preface and an introduction. Uh, And then part one, he answers the question, what is a healthy church? Uh, It's more of kind of a, let me actually get to some things we need to know and then the definition. Let me lay some groundwork. And then part two is called Essential Marks of a Healthy Church. And part three is Important Marks of a Healthy Church. He draws a careful distinction there between essential marks and important marks. Mm. And he'll explain a little bit about what that distinction is in the book. I'm not going to spoil it. But he does break those two things apart. And I think it's important to understand that there is a distinction between things that are essential within a church for it to actually be a biblical church and things that are important to also have but it can be a church without having those things not to say that those are the things uh well as long as it has these things i can keep attending this church that's not necessarily what i or dever is getting at um but he does break those two things apart essential things and important things so under part one um chapter one Oh, the preface. I should start with the preface because I really appreciated the preface of this book. Um, I love analogies. I love learning more about the biblical analogies used. And he uses an analogy. He builds, he plays off of, I think is the correct word, off of the analogy of the body. Mm-hmm. So he tells a story about uh, nose and hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know from the beginning, and probably if you're at all biblically literate, uh, you've heard the analogy of the church being compared to a body, like a physical body. I have arms, legs, hands, ears, armpits, that type of thing. (laughs) I always love the armpit because there's always somebody that we're like, armpit, that's them. Um, But he says, nose and hand, we're sitting in a church pew talking. And he tells this story about an interaction between the two and um, what's going on and, and a problem, really, that you see. And I like that analogy because when we see it like that, we know what he's getting at. And we're thinking, at least I, when I read it, I'm thinking ecclesiologically when I read it. Mm-hmm. because I'm thinking about, okay, how can I approach this? Whereas if he just said the two people were chatting in church, I might not, it might not, it wouldn't, I can guarantee it wouldn't engage my brain the same way. Yeah. I wouldn't have switched on the ecclesiological hat quite as quick. 
But when he said nose and hand, we're talking like what nose and hand? Oh, I bet I know where he's going with this. And it causes me to think ahead and try to think about what is he trying to communicate here? In reality, it helps me try to start to think about authorial intent. But it was very helpful, very provocative, um, and brought to light uh, a little bit of where this book is going. So then that's the preface. Part one is what is a healthy church? And in chapter one, it's called Your Christianity and Your Church. Uh, Dever has this quote close to the beginning on page 21. He says that often he goes to like youth rallies and stuff, and he'll start with a statement like, like this. If you call yourself a Christian but you are not a member of the church you regularly attend, I worry that you might be going to hell. And, and he explains here that this isn't meant to scare people into becoming church members, but it is meant to cause people to think. He doesn't want people to doubt their salvation, um, but he does want people to, to understand carefully the importance of um, membership within a local church. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it might cause some people to think carefully if they're not members of the local church, which is good. Uh, but his point isn't to say you can't be saved. It's impossible for anyone ever to be saved and not be a member of a local church. That's not what he's getting at. And he's careful to continue on after that. But it is meant to be a provocative opening, but one that is founded. And he'll get into that in the book. I mean, that's this is an ecclesiological book. So he's going to get into this. And in this chapter, um, Dever begins by establishing the necessary connection between a Christian and a local church. This is where he really fleshes out that if you are a Christian, you will be affiliated with and involved in and a member of a local church. And not just on paper, you're on the roll, but you'll be members of one another, that type of being a member of a local church. But then that leads logically to chapter two, what a church is and isn't. Um, And this is revolving around the idea of a church being a people and not a place. Yes, people meet when they gather at a place, Mm -hmm. but the church is not that place that they gather. The church is the people that are gathered there. And this is an important distinction. This is an important distinction. Um, And this is one reason that Dever uses a, not a fancy introduction, but he changed his introduction that he uses. uh, He's a pastor at a church. So when he welcomes people to the church in the morning, uh, starts this, the Sunday morning service off, he says, welcome to this gathering of the Capitol Hill Baptist Church. So instead of saying, Capitol Hill Baptist is the name of his church, instead of saying, welcome to Capitol Hill Baptist Church, as if the church is a place, mm-hmm. even the language that he uses reflects the theology that he believes when he says, welcome to this gathering of the Capitol Hill Baptist Church, mm-hmm. because the church is the people and they, have, and they are gathering. Right. So he's careful to draw that out and even provoke people to thought, even in his opening on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Anchor, our church, you're familiar with this type of opening. And mm-hmm. it is important because it really doesn't reflect continuity, but doesn't. it's not consistent. Right. And it's not, uh, there's another word that I was looking for, but I forgot it. But it's not consistent if we say, oh yeah, we believe that the church is a people, but then we say, welcome to Anchor Baptist. I mean, it can be okay, but it's not as accurate as we could be. It's better to be specific. Mm-hmm. And it helps people understand. And I think it even trains people to think. Yeah. Because if we continue talking one way, like uh, I've used this example. I'm getting a little bit off track, but we have a little bit of time. I can see the timestamp today. Um, if I constantly say, oh, Sophia made me so mad. Yeah. And I'm always, every time I get mad after Sophia did something, I'm like, oh, well, Sophia made me so mad today. Or, oh, at work made me so mad today. If I continually say that something made me mad, 
eventually I might start to believe that that thing is actually what caused my anger. Mm-hmm. Now, things, events, can make it easier to give in to the temptation to be sinfully angry, but they can't actually make me sinfully angry, right? Right. This is just one example. But if I, when I say that, if I'm careful with my language... It even helps me to realize that, no, this didn't actually make me angry. And, oh, there's actually a sin problem in my heart if I choose to be sinfully angry. But enough about my tangent about our speech and things. It is important. And that's why Dever changes the way he opens on Sunday to reflect what he actually believes. Um, He also states that Christians, this is an important thing that he, he draws out in this chapter, is that Christians should care about what happens at church. Like, uh, the music that's played, the programs that go on, the um, VBSs that happen during the summer, things like that. They should care about what happens at church, but we need to care more about the people that make up the gathering. Mm-hmm. Because people can get very caught up in, well, I'm leaving this church because I don't like the music. And that's why he, he makes the distinction, yes, there could be music that is not appropriate for a church gathering. If you're singing praises to Satan, you probably should not <laughs> go to that church, right? Yeah. That's an extreme example, but one we would all agree on. But there are clear commands that need to be obeyed, and there are principles that should be adhered to. But we need to care more about the people that are there that make up the gathering and their relationship to one another, my relationship to them, and the way that we work together as a body. We need to care more about that than we do about the music. doesn't mean what happens at the gathering isn't important, but it's not the most important. Right. And it's probably not as important as we think it is. Or maybe it's more important than some people think it is. But... It's not as important as the people that are there. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yep. Okay. Um, But we need to care more about the people. Finish that. Chapter three then. Wow, I've made it a long ways. Good job. uh, Yeah, I'm not even a quarter of the way through. Oh. That's okay. This is the bulk of it. The the last two thirds of the book will be pretty quick to go through because I'm not going to spoil anything. So chapter three uh, is entitled, What Every Church Should Aspire to Be Healthy. Now, obviously this is pretty obvious yeah just like that statement obviously this is pretty obvious (laughs) nobody would say i want to be unhealthy right Right. no one that actually cares about themselves would say i want to be unhealthy i would not say about sophia i want her to be unhealthy right right neither would you right yeah you wouldn't say you want me to be unhealthy right you don't want an unhealthy hand i want you to eat my cookies though yeah but i can (laughs) eat your cookies in moderation and still be healthy yes okay so healthy is almost universally like a, a good term. We want a good, healthy plant. We want a good, healthy garden. We want a good, healthy church. Okay, great. But what is a healthy church? And here's where Dever finally gets to answering the headlining question of what is a healthy church? What is the definition that you're going to work with, Mark? What are you going to flesh out throughout the rest of the book? How would you answer that question short, quickly? What is a healthy church? Well, on page 40, he says... Uh, he gives a brief answer. He says, A healthy church is the congregation that increasingly reflects God's character as his character has been revealed in his word. I'll read that one more time. It's a very concise definition, and he admits that. He says, A healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character as his character has been revealed in his word. Okay. Make sense? Yep. Sound legit? Yeah. Well, I was a little bit caught off guard because... Why? This is Mark Dever. Yeah. The ministry that he um, at least is affiliated with, if not runs, I'm not 100% sure on that, but is closely tied with, I believe started, Nine Marks. 
Okay. okay. So I expected him to mention something about a healthy church is one that um, contains the nine marks of a healthy church and flesh it all out. But he gives a very concise definition and it's accurate and it's helpful. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I expected. It's a lot shorter than I expected. It's not a checklist. It's not a checklist. Yeah. He says a healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character as his character has been revealed in his word. And it has parts that I didn't expect to be in a concise definition either because he could have left it at a healthy church is a congregation that increasingly reflects God's character. But Dever is careful to make sure it's founded upon God's word. He's yeah. like, I want this to be foremost. He says, as his character has been revealed in his word. And Dever adds some caveats and acknowledges that there are that there may well be better ways to express this, but it is nonetheless true and accurate. He admits, he's like, there may be a better way that somebody could put this, but this is helpful and what we're going to go off of and accurate. So in the, in the ultimate how-to guide, the next chapter, um, called the ultimate how-to guide, how to display God's character, Dever points out a fundamental divide between those who listen to the word of God and those who do not. And this harkens back to the last uh, definition that he gave as his character has been revealed in his word. Um, this brings out the authority of God's word in the life of a church, in the health of a church, that God's word needs to be foremost and the governing factor and the ruling uh uh, the rule, mm-hmm. the final authority. The I think that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, for how a church should live. And he wants to emphasize the authority of Scripture. Okay. So uh, he he points out in the in this chapter 4 uh, a fundamental divide between those who listen to the word of God and those who do not. And he walks through numerous New Testament passages which admonish us, which, ad, which admonish us to listen to the word of God. Not exclusively as local churches, but primarily addressed to local churches. But people are told to listen to the word of God. And he breaks it down into listen and obey. Listen to the word of God and obey what it says. Specifically listening, or is he just be in the word? Uh, Not like audible. It doesn't have to be audibly listening, but listen to what the word is trying to communicate or what God is trying to communicate through his word. Pay attention to that, or as, uh, as Christ put it, if you you who have ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah, that's what he's getting at. Okay. Listen to, and obey. So part two um, is where he gets to essential marks of a healthy church, and he's going to include in this exposition, expositional preaching, biblical theology, and a biblical understanding of the good news. Now, are you going to quick explain what expositional means? Uh, yeah, I can do that. I hadn't written that down, but. Uh, I'll, I'll find his definition here real quick. But this section is, again, what he calls essential marks of a healthy church. Um, and one quick side note before I move on too far. I, I mentioned how Dever wanted to found everything in the Word of God. And he wants to call our attention back to the Word of God as our final authority. Well, he even communicates that by the chapter t- headings. Expositional preaching. He's talking about exposing the Word of God. Okay. Biblical theology, it's got to be biblical, a biblical understanding of the good news, and then in part three, a biblical understanding of conversion, a biblical understanding of evangelism, a biblical understanding of discipleship, <laughs> biblical church discipline, biblical church discipleship and growth, and biblical church leadership. Uh, a little repetitive. Yes. But and intentionally so. Yeah. He included, in it, he included scripture in his definition, not like a quotation from scripture, but an emphasis on using the Bible, using scripture in his definition. And he repeated that he, by his words, 
communicated what he believed, again, in including this needs to be biblical, this needs to be based in scripture. And he even says, if you disagree with me, I hope that it's because that's what you believe scripture says, not because that's what you want to believe. Yeah. So he's like, I, I know that I am not the final authority on this, that it's scripture. So if you disagree with me, great, as long as that's because that's what scripture's teaching and I'm wrong on that. Yeah. Now, he's pretty on on a lot of things, but... So part two, expositional preaching. Uh, did I get to... Yes. He says, expositional preaching is the kind of preaching that, quite simply, exposes God's word. It takes a particular passage of scripture, explains that passage, and then applies the meaning of the passage to the life of the congregation. So the, the root word there is expose, expositional. So you want to take a text of scripture and expose to the congregation, what does this text actually mean? Yeah. Which scripture is not meant to be an enigma all the time. Sometimes it's hard. Peter even said that Paul's words were hard to understand sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it does take work to not only expose a text to a congregation, but show a congregation that this is how you expose a text by the right. way we preach as well. So he's going to say that expositional preaching is essential. Um, and part of his reasoning for that is um, if somebody's not preaching expositionally, they can preach basically whatever they want. That's true. Um, a biblical theology. So the theology needs to be based in scripture, not on any other authority. And a biblical understanding of the gospel. Uh, otherwise, if you don't have a gospel, then you don't really have a church. If you don't have the gospel correct then you don't really have a church because your people aren't saved. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then part three, and again, I'm not going to explain what all of these are because that's what the very tiny chapter is. And I'd basically just read the chapter if I gave you a definition. Yeah. So um, the this is basically where the review ends. But I agree with a lot of where he's coming from. I think some of the marks could be uh, combined or they overlap a little bit, but I think they're helpful. And I appreciate that he breaks them down these nine marks of a healthy church into essential marks and important marks. Well, one of them is understanding of discipleship and church discipleship and growth. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> yeah, under, uh, I don't know the chapter number, but one, one chapter is a biblical understanding of conversion and a biblical understanding of the good news. Well, those mm. are very closely linked. Yeah. But I, I can see the importance there. To I have mean, the distinction. Yeah. Um, and one of them, yeah, is a biblical understanding of discipleship, and the other one is biblical church discipleship and growth. But I do see in part why he breaks it apart, because you can have a biblical understanding of discipleship, but not actually be doing biblical discipleship. That's true. Just because yeah. you understand it doesn't mean you actually do it. Yeah. Um, and then there also needs to be biblical church leadership. Okay. That is, in a nutshell, Mark Dever's What is a Healthy Church? Um... I hope that you will have the time to pick it up, read a copy, borrow from somebody. Um, if you know me, you can borrow a copy from me, although I only have one copy. If you don't know me, uh, I can easily throw a link to a, an, or at least an Amazon link. That way you know um, in advance, uh, the, like the cover of the book, what it looks like. Yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, I appreciated it. But read it. Let me know your thoughts. If you do read it, shoot me an email. Let me know what you thought of it. If you thought I was way off. If you think that's not a church at all. Well, I'm sure you don't 100% agree with every single thing he said because it's not scripture. So yeah. just as a warning, don't find something and say, well, they recommended it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That pretty much wraps it up. Now, what are we reading?
Uh, we're still in Horse and His Boy. Yep. We finished up What is a Healthy Church. I did. We. Yep, you did. But that should be pretty evident. Well, yeah, we're in Horse and His Boy. You made a really good prediction today. I did. I, yeah. I, I mean, think, I've read it before, but I honestly don't remember the end of it. So I haven't read it before. I've made some good predictions in the other books. But it's usually when you're reading that I figure something out because mm. then I have more time to think. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that's this. Whereas you're even doing dishes. You, I think you figured something out. Oh, yeah. I listen really well. Yeah. Um, so then we're going to finish that. And then we only have two more left in the series. Yep. Um, that's just sad. But then we'll have to pick something else up. And then now that I finish What is a Healthy Church, I'm going to start, actually start, not just read the front cover of, um, The Art of Neighboring. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we've been mentioning that for a month. Yeah, or probably. More. But I'm excited to actually uh, get into it more than just the front cover because it's been on my stack, but then I'm like, oh, I got to finish this one up for the review. And we did. And I'm glad that we got it done uh, so that you guys could hear a little bit more about where Mark Dever is coming from. And yeah, I'm done with that. Push it off for the side. That's what we're yeah. reading. <laughs> Anything else? recipes yeah been reading some recipes been reading about home stuff things to be ready for in the new home things we'll have to buy yeah i have a whole list of things that we'd like to get only i think there are only about three things that we're like we need to get these within the first couple months yeah to be able to like own a house i mean we can do laundry at a laundromat oh that's well yeah yeah things that would be extremely beneficial to own but, I mean, you can pick up a washer and dryer pretty cheap to get you by for the first couple of years. So, probably going to do that. We have a we have a line on getting one for free, but we'll see if that pans out. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for listening. Hopefully it was helpful. Hopefully you find this book helpful. Again, let us know either way. Uh, but until next time, keep serving or start serving within your local church. Bye. Bye.